With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, we're going to pick it up in chapter 15. And see what happens here. Now, chapter 15, an interesting chapter. Uh, this is a prophecy about now the fourth country, the fourth culture that we're looking at. This is Moab. So chapters 15 and 16 is about Moab. Chapter 17, we're going to move to another one. And we're just going to keep moving all over the known world at the time and identifying these countries. And God has something to say to each and every one of them. This is the, the prophecy. So Moab, uh, I hope you've heard of Moab before. Uh, it's fairly frequently spoken of in the Old Testament. Uh, there might be a story you remember about a Moabite. Uh, there's a famous woman from Moab. Does anybody remember her name? Ruth, yes. Okay, let's see if we can piece Ruth's story together because you got to kind of understand how, how all this works. So who else is involved in the story? Give me some more names. Uh, let's piece the story together. What do you remember? Boaz. 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 <laughs> who's, who's Boaz? That, well, he was not a Moabite. He was an Israelite. Right. And he uh, was uh, very kind to Ruth, <laughs> to say the least. Okay, so Ruth from Moab, a foreign pagan country Boaz man from Israel is shows her great kindness you remember what he eventually does with her well, yes, he, marries her. he marries her right okay so how did Ruth get in Israel <coughs> the mother-in-law remember the mother-in-law's name Naomi, very good. See, you, know, you can get all these minds together. We can, each one of us remembers a little piece of the puzzle. We can get it all together here. All right? So what's what's Naomi's story? Well, she had married an Israelite. Yes. They'd gone to Moab because of a, a famine. Yes. And her husband had died. Yes. And uh, she had two sons. Yes. Who married. Yes. But the two sons died. Yes. So she was left alone, and she told her daughters-in-law to go back to their father's um, home because she had no more sons to offer, and she was going to go back to Israel because the famine was over, and Ruth would not leave her. She said, I will go with you. Wherever you go, I will go. Yep. Your God will be my God. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. That's that's why I wanted to recall the story because it, it really demonstrates you know, a, a person of great character. And as we keep reading the story, what we're going to discover here in chapter 16 then is that Ruth is in the direct line, one of the few women named in the direct line to Jesus. So Ruth was two or three generations before David. So just to get the, the, the time frame. Now here, here we are in Isaiah much later than that. But you know, that's kind of how the story progresses. So that's how Ruth wound up in Israel and became such a key, then married Boaz. Their 
their grandson would have been Jesse. And then the great-grandson was David. See, just boom, 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 right down, right down the line. So that's important to remember because as we're talking about the, the, the Moabites, did you notice the, the tone of this prophecy is a little different than the first three we studied, right? We did Babylon, Assyria, and the Philistines. That was pretty harsh, pretty, you know, two before between the eyes type of approach. This, this is a lot more sympathetic, shall we say. The result is the same. The destruction is the same. But the, the feeling for the Moabites is a, well, for lack of a better phrase, just sad. It's just, there's a sadness here. Uh, notice how many times there's lamenting, crying, weeping uh, at the plight of what, it, what is happening here. Uh, so there, the Moabite response is much different than the prideful Assyrians, Babylonians, and Persians. Uh, but again, the result is still the same. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that here in a minute. In, Were the Moabites a military? Did they have much military power? I don't think they did. No, they, they, they weren't much. And, it, 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 yeah, and because of this relationship with Ruth, yeah. you know, Israel and Moab, and Moab you know, they're just to the, to the west of Israel. Were, they weren't sworn enemies. They weren't like the Philistines. Um, they had some battles over the years and, you know, whatever, but uh, yeah, they weren't, the, the Moabites were not the perennial thorn in the Israeli flesh. Um, they were actually got along half, half decent. Uh, I'm not sure I'd go as far as to say they were allies, but there wasn't a lot of animosity. They weren't uh, always at war with each other and, and, and all of that. So the, the Babylonians, the Philistines, and the Assyrians were so prideful and arrogant and we came across that a hundred times in these previous chapters, you know, identifying the reason why for their fall. Um, chapter 16 is going to mention pride once with the Moabites. But chapter 15 kind of sets the stage of being just sad. Just really, really sad. Because, you know, it in comparison to the first three countries we talked about, the, the Moabites were nice guys. They were good. And what we need to understand is that with God, you know, the, the, the rule is you've got to, you, I mean, in this day certainly, you've got to accept God as your Lord, your King, and follow Him. Uh, obviously now today, it's, you know, we specify Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we're, we're, we're saved. You have to accept Jesus. You have to follow Jesus. So what we see with the Moabites is they didn't accept God, but they were they were just trying to be good. They were for, for goodness sake, not Jesus' sake, for goodness sake, so that others would, would think, well, that's a, you're a good person. Don't we see that a lot today? I mean, we just talked last week. Jim was mentioning about the you know the the the, the humanists, you know, and uh, you know that's that's just it. You know, I, I I can I can will myself to be a good person. Well, of course you can. <laughs> I mean, you can will yourself to be a bad person too. But uh, you know, so that becomes a a comparative type of thing. So you you look around and you say, okay, you know, the standard the the median is this. As long as I'm better than that, in my mind, I'm good. I mean, that's how this philosophy works. As long as I'm, I'm just better than the average, you know, 
51 <laughs> percent i'm i'm okay and it would seem as though you know the the moabites suffered that same mentality again not really bad people but they just were good but not for the right reason and therefore they get essentially the same judgment the same punishment as these other nations which in comparison we would look at it and say are really bad i mean they deserve way worse but again i ask you know is there such a thing as a worse heaven or a better hell or vice versa right so there's there's not rankings of heaven and hell you're either in heaven or you're in hell and that's that's it so again you know the, the end result is still the same so the only way to salvation is through Christ. Anything else we substitute for that, you can be the best person on earth. I mean, if Mother Teresa was not a, a believer in Jesus, all her good works would have been for naught. Just done it so that she would be known as a good person. So that will not save you in the end. Now, as you read chapter 15, you probably thought, well, that's a lot of strange words in here. <laughs> those are the, those are towns and cities in Moab. And what we're doing is, uh, it's it's demonstrated the Assyrians were in the north, and we know from history then they came down, traveled this way. So they're they're heading south. So what we have here is uh, verse one R. A bunch of pirates. R. Uh, so. In, in Moab is, is the northernmost city. And as you follow down through all these cities, it's just making a southerly route, giving the impression that the Assyrians are chasing these. I mean, the word fugitive appears. Uh, people are running south away from the Assyrian army coming and all the destruction that ensues. As we get in chapter 16, we'll see just you know, wholesale destruction of crops, uh, land, uh, er everything in, in sight. So, bottom line is that the message of this chapter is really, really simple. We have people running away from terror. But, if you look at the last verse, it doesn't work. The fugitives, those who remain in the land, will still receive the punishment. You, you can't run from God, in other words. That's the key message in, in this chapter. So, verse 1, you know, again, d destruction, ruination. Uh, verse 2, that you can even go up to the temple. You can go and, and cry to, again, they weren't believers in the one true God, so whatever religion, whatever God, idol they, they worshipped, you can go weep to that God all you want, but it's, it's not going to do any good. Now, verse 2 says about uh, shaving the head and, the, and, and your beard. Uh, in this culture, even to this day, you'll notice, you know, I mean, the beards are, are prevalent and hair is very pronounced. Uh, it's always been that way. It's a sign of virility, a sign of, uh, you know, manhood, and to shave that off is a, an emasculation. So, you know, that's what's happening here. So, you know, there's just destruction, 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 and a taking away of even your identity. So much so that in verse 3, they're, they're wearing sackcloth. Um, they're actually adopting the Jewish model of demonstrating that, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry about this. 
but they're not, again, based on goodness, not based on I'm coming to God and asking for forgiveness. I'm just, I'm just sorry. Like I say, it's just, it's just sadness. It's just sadness that when this happens, we don't know what to do. We just run. So on the roofs and the public squares, they all wail. The end is coming and they, they know it. They're prostrate with weeping. Further south, verse 4, more cities cry out. Their voices are heard the whole way down to the next town. Even the armed men, the soldiers, cry out. Their hearts are faint. Jeff, I might have missed, I missed this, but who, is it the Assyrians? Who is yeah, the Assyrians are coming, yes. They're, they're the first ones. And, Attacking them. Yeah. And again, yeah, they, they, they do that to the, the Moabites, and then they move west to, to Israel next. So they just, just, I mean, they're just very calculated. Uh, we have all this land, and we're going to just try and take over all of it that we can. Do we see that here in Isaiah, or is that just part of history that you're saying? Well, the, the, this is the the prophecy of what is to come. So here at the okay. end of chapter three, it's going to say in three years this is going to happen. Okay. So it's it's not hundreds or thousands of years in the future. This is imminent. It's coming. Mm -hmm. But there there is a schedule. Yes. So Moab is one one of the first to go, and it just you know kind of the empire spreads out from there type of thing. So yeah. So they come from the north and just ravage everything. Yes. And then it did all happen. Three, three years, and if we, you know, can figure out when this happened, which, you know, by some of the key keys in here, you know, they, I think the the year would have been, you know, seven seven fifteen BC, seven eighteen BC, and then we know from history that in fact, you know, seven seven fifteen BC, then Moab did fall. Yeah. So, verse 5, just a, a crying out, just a sadness. People flee like crazy. They don't know where to go. They weep as they go. And again, lamenting their destruction. They, they know this is, this is what's happening. So, water's dried up, grass withers, vegetation's gone, nothing green is left. So here's, here's the clue again that why this judgment comes upon them, why this wrath of God comes upon them. In their striving for goodness, as even to this day, we often equate wealth with I must be a good person. Yeah. How possibly else could I be wealthy unless I was a really good person? <laughs> And what God has pointed out, certainly to, to the Israelites and to all those other nations, is that the reason you're wealthy is because you are abusing the poor, the widows, and the orphan. <laughs> you're, 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 you're taking advantage of those who don't have the capability of, of defending themselves. Um, and you're doing so in a legal way, which makes it all the worse. <laughs> I mean, if you broke into their home and stole it, that'd be one thing. At least have the guts to do that. But no, you're underhanded and going through the back door uh, with, with organizing you know, uh, these, these laws that make it so that you will get rich as a result of it. So Moab was no different. The wealth they've acquired and stored up, verse 7, they carry away. 
So the enemy comes and everything you have worked for is now gone. And of course, an outcry echoes all along the border. Wailing reaches far and wide. Lamentations. The water that's left is full of blood. And God says, I'm not done yet. A lion upon the fugitives of Moab and upon those who remain in the land. So a lion, the Assyrian lion, will flush everybody out and everybody will be destroyed. So again, you know, they, they weren't really bad people like we've seen in these other countries. But they, they, they put their hope and trust in wealth, in, in their, their relative goodness, thinking that this is, this is all I need. So again, with you know, the standard of Jesus only, anything else. I mean, we look at it and say, like, well, that's not so bad. That's <laughs> like, you know, what about these people over here? They're really bad, right? But see, it's all the same. And that's, that's the, the consistency and reliability of God. He does not change that. So he gives us lots of chances. But again, when the chances are done, this is what, what always happens. There's chapter 15, and that's a semi-quickie. What are the thoughts, questions, or comments do you have for chapter 15? Well, the, the, the Bible actually does give you a lot, a lot of those designations. It, it, you know, at various points in the Bible, not here, but at various points. I mean, the Moabites are talked about quite a bit, and it's identified, you know, at certain points that you know they they're immediately to to the west of or to the east of 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 Israel. So yeah, it's. Uh, but as I said last week, now the uh, Babylon, the actual city of Babylon, we really don't know where it is. It's literally stricken from the human record. It's it's just gone. So, yeah, yeah. There's maps in the back of your Bible that I mean, yeah, all these scholars. That's that's what they pay them to do is to find these places. And yeah, it's it, it is helpful to know um, because yeah, especially when you get into the New Testament, when it gives you locations and all that, you can at least see the distance traveled. You can see you know which direction they're going. Uh, you know, and here we're getting you know landmarks of uh, uh, rivers and lakes and, and just yeah. I mean, it's it, it's important to, to visualize that in your mind, isn't it? Yeah. Pretty, pretty neat. Other thoughts in chapter 15? <coughs> chapter 16. Now, I, you know, as just mentioned, in 2 Kings, there's a story of the Moabites being defeated by the Israelites. And the Moabites are forced to pay tribute to the Israelites in the form of sheep and lambs. This is hundreds of years later, but they fall back on that, right? The Moabite response is, maybe we can appease God by being nice to his people. So we will give them the tribute that we've given them hundreds of years before. 
well, that doesn't work either, but um, you know, that's, that's what verse one is saying. So you take that and there's, there's a location, Sandy, you know, sell a, a, across the desert to the Mount of the Daughter of Zion. So Mount, Mount Zion, Jerusalem. So take, take that tribute to, they have to cross, actually it was a lake, but here it's describing the waters withered up. So that would be, it's described as a desert. So you would travel across a straight line directly across a now dry lake bed. So they're, they're willing to try something, but it's not what God requires. And what God requires is that we are to come to him, period. Again, a thought of goodness, I'll be good to somebody else, maybe that will buy me some, 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 some points, some favor with God. No, let's see, we have to do, we can't substitute anything else, we have to do what God requires of us. It would assume, I would assume that at this point the Israelis are so dysfunctional that they're not telling other people that that's what they need to do. Right. They're not doing it they're themselves. They're doing it themselves. Right. So, yeah. So, so they, they, they seem to even lack that information. They, right. You know, it's, it's, it's void from their thought process, yeah. So, so did the uh, Moabites somehow think after Assyria had overran them, that at that point, that if they would send tribute to the to the Jews, that they would somehow appease God, hoping that God would yes, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's precisely it. Yeah, that's what that, that that reference is in verse one. Is you know, I mean, they're you know the now compare and contrast. There's it's mostly similar to the first three countries we studied, but the, this is kind of different. Notice you know, the response of the first three were shaking their fist at God. And so prideful and arrogant that they refuse to, you know, do anything resembling repentance. These guys, at least, are willing to say, "Well, let's try something." Let's, you know. But again, you know, in their pagan concept of things, uh, you know, appeasing God is the fallback position. You know, when when it goes badly, and that's you know, even the Jews had that, still have this to this day, is that that thought that when something bad happens to you, that. Yeah, it means that God's mad at me, therefore I've got to do something good to make up for it and appease God. And did, what are they <clears throat> had their own gods, and in that their own gods failed them, said, oh, let's give this God a shot. What have we got to lose? Right. Now, again, the Jews are just as guilty of that as the Moabites. <laughs> and that's, that's the story. That's, that's why the Jews are in this situation as well, because they they refused to trust in God and incorporated these other pagan religions. They might have brought in some Moabite idols or something into the pure Jewish religion. They, they just will cover all our bases was their their idea. And you know, if our God isn't good enough, big enough to do what what we need, we're still gonna keep you God, but we're gonna accentuate you with other gods. And God's saying, We're not gonna do that. Not, not a fan of that. So in uh, yeah, verse 2, they're like fluttering birds. I mean, they're just, again, you know, no, no purpose. We're just, we're just running. We, just, we don't know where we're going. We're just trying to get away from this. And so they, they, they cry out, you know, give us counsel. 
this might well be directed to the Israelites. You know, as Sue was saying, but the, the, the Jews are no smarter than they are at this point, so they they don't have an answer. You know, help us out here, but it doesn't work. So they're pleading, you know, let let the fugitives come and stay with you, you know, protect them, shelter them. But no, there's no no overture to do that. And the oppressor comes in the end. Finally, then destruction will cease. But after destruction, so we learned that last week is that you know there there is the prophecy that there this is not going to continue forever. This this constant barrage of enemy enemies taking over your land, killing you, destroying the land, all of that will will come to an end. So this is for a season. And there, verse 4 is you know, giving you more evidence of that. Which then leads into verse 5, which to me seems like a very critical verse, a key, key verse. It says that one will establish his throne. I wonder who the one is. Want to take a wild guess? Oh, you guys are good. So it's been a while since we had a Holy Spirit question, Judy. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll work on that. All right, so th this again, as we had a couple chapters ago, what chapter 8 was you know, another prophecy of the coming Christ, some 700 years later. So this is saying that this one will have a throne established in love, a loving throne. So what, what verse... Five is doing is describing Jesus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.